The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women. And beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sorority's rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature. Be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Real Talk with MJ Sorority, the voice of sorority risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. MJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops, and that by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we can continue to create spaces for women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real. Today on the podcast, I am joined by my fellow client executive on the sorority team here at MJ, Tiffany Morovich. Hello. You want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little about you. Sure. Um, my name is Tiffany Morovich, and I am your fellow client executive. No. Yes. I'll say more. Um, so the end. <laughs> we are advocates for our clients, and we answer all risk management questions. We also do policy management, which means any changes that need to be done to your policy, um, we handle all of those. Um, so that's my job. I've been with MJ for three years, three mm-hmm. and a half years now. And prior to that, I was with an insurance company for 12 years. So have some of that experience as well. Um, I went to Butler University. I'm an Alpha Chi Omega. Um, have been married for 14 years and have three kids. I have um, my oldest daughter is eight. I have a four-year-old son and a just turned one-year-old little girl. So three kids. And They're all super cute, by the way. And I'm just tired. <laughs> so that's me. Yeah, we, we always um, just, yeah, I'm trying to be super encouraging with Tiffany going through this this last year with a, a little one yeah. in the house. and It'll be good once she can, you know, take a shower by herself. And <laughs> what do you always say? Some, someday they'll take care of you when they'll you're old. They'll take care of me when I'm old. So that's... Good motivation I have, I have to keep kids, going. So they take care of me when I'm old and they'll clean the bathrooms. I've already had them start to vacuum. And See, clean. there you go. <laughs> Put them to work. That's right. <laughs> well, speaking of kids, our topic today is risk management and kids and how children being on your premises, whether that's your home or in our case with our clients on a sororities chapter premises um, where their facility is located, how this has to do with risk management. So. Tiffany, can you start us off by just explaining why does this topic, kids, relate to risk management? Well, I think the main thing to note is that there are very, very few exclusions on the general liability policy. Um, However, babysitting is specifically excluded. So it specifically says in the policy um, that the care and supervision of any child as a babysitting service provided by any of your organization's members is excluded. So the insurance company really wants to eliminate this exposure altogether. And so what I mean by exposure is that 
the potential for claims to happen with children. Um, they, they really just don't want anything having to do with babysitting and children at the house um, or even off-site um, when members, and we'll get into that a little bit more um, with members babysitting off-site um, and, and what that means when we talk about um, some specific examples. But anything related to children at the house um, is just not something that the insurance company um, really wants to consider um, when they look at a sorority um, to insure. So what does it mean when you say it's excluded from an insurance standpoint? What does that mean on an insurance policy? What does that look like? Does that mean it's like a very exclusive thing? Or what does excluded mean? Good question. So if a child um, is being, um, if, if one of the members is babysitting um, at the, the chapter property um, as, as related to the, um, the sorority, so if it's a sorority event that they're holding to babysit um, children and that child is injured on the property, um, the insurance policy will not pay to, um, for the, that child's injuries. Mm -hmm. um, someone's still going to have to pay for the child's injuries because there's, there's negligence, um, but it, it cannot, the payment cannot come from the sorority's insurance policy. So what that means is that the parent's homeowner's policy, or their, their not the parent's homeowner's policy, but their um, health insurance policy would, would have to pay for that, but they're probably not gonna want you know, mm -hmm. to have to pay for that. They're gonna look to the sorority, back to the sorority to pay for it. Um, so the sorority is going to have to look to their own bank account to pay for that child's injuries. Mm. So it's it's serious, especially when it comes to children. Um, it's a very sensitive situation when a child is injured. It's sad, and and society wants someone to have to pay for it. Right. Yeah. Just look in the media. Anytime there's something going on, even like the opioid crisis going on right now, and some court rulings in different states, someone when there has been injury, death. People want somebody to pay and somebody be, to be responsible. So the exclusion would just mean, um, you know, we have sorority insurance policies that we're trying to provide coverage for your sorority, and it just means that there wouldn't be coverage for that particular exposure, like you said. Um, just, but someone is still going to have to pay, whether right. that's on your parents' homeowners policy or out of the sorority's own bank account. Um, the insurance policy wouldn't come into play on this very specific thing. Mm -hmm. So what does this specific exclusion actually say on the policy? What does that language look like? So again, um, just the care and supervision of any child is babysitting service provided by your members. Um, so the reason that it's excluded is really first and foremost to protect the kids. Um, chapter houses are just not furnished with kids in mind. Um, and kids are going to want to explore. They're going to want to play around the house. Um, so, I mean, really, if you get at their level and think about what they might see as fun in, in a sorority house, um, you'll see that there's just a lot of potential for injury. Um, we had a, a claim involving a little boy and his face was severely burned on a radiator at a chapter house. And um, there was a claim that was filed by the parents alleging $1 million in damages. They ended up dropping the claim, you know, but still, I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, so it's just not a scenario that we, we want to have to talk about. In this case, that was not, it didn't have to do with, with babysitting per se. So um, our general liability policy would have paid for his um, injuries, but it's just, it's just not something that we, we want to have to deal with when it comes to um, claims. I mean, the, the, you know, there are enough claims out there. There are enough you know, members getting injured and 
property claims and things like that. We just don't want to add to the exposure um, by allowing children on, on premises. For sure. And like Tiffany said, we, we want to protect the kids, even though our business involves claim dollars. Um, and we talk about this a little bit in the intro episode too. But just even though you hear us talk about claim dollars and things being paid out, obviously our first interest is just protecting people and safety. We don't want kids to get hurt. Um, we don't want payout either, but we first and foremost don't want kids to get we hurt. We don't want to be injured. Um, right. And then we want to protect the, the sorority members themselves. So, um, you know, not that this will happen very often, but there could be abuse allegations or molestation charges. Um, you know, physical abuse is suspected. and. We just want to protect them from that and not even put them in a situation where um, they're, they're, you know, having children or their, the parents um, allege those, those things mm-hmm. against them. Mm-hmm. And then we want to protect the sorority organization itself. So, um, you know, the babysitting is, is not covered uh, by the policy, so we have to be careful of that. And like we said, you know, someone, the, um, society in general wants someone to pay for that, so child, you know, Children injuries are especially sensitive, um, and then the claims with with these injuries can have a long tail. So that means that um, there's just they take longer to close. Um, that they take longer to um, come to terms with, I guess. So, like a parent, if a child is injured, um, the parent can sue, and then as the child grows and turns 18, then he can file a separate claim so it just they last a long time is what that long tail means they can last a long time Mm. yeah that's all good things to consider well and I think just good for sorority members in general to think of themselves you know not just as individuals operating in the world but they are part of a larger membership now which if you think about we often talk about the role of deep pockets and that theory of someone has to pay if, if someone gets hurt and that's just the litigious society we live in and that means that in this case you know when you are part of a large organization people are going to look to all those things and see were you doing this on your own or were you doing it as part of that bigger group and there's so many great benefits to being part of that bigger group but it also comes with some extra liability and so that that's why it matters and it's good to just start thinking you know as as you take on jobs and different memberships and different things throughout your life, you start to represent all these other organizations besides just yourself as a person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think just to bring all this home, we wanted to talk through some actual scenarios, like Tiffany said, of babysitting so that you guys can just start to think through what, what would qualify as babysitting. Does this count? Does this not count? These are the kind of questions we get all the time. So we've got a little yay or nay section of like, is this okay, thumbs up, yay, or is this not okay, thumbs down, nay. Uh, So the first one is nannying. I know that a lot of college women have side jobs uh, just to pay for school or extra expenses as a nanny. Would this count as babysitting? When would this be okay and when would it not, Tiffany? So it would not count as babysitting um, because they're they're off-site, it's separate from the sorority. Um, now, if the sorority was offering a nannying service and it was related to the organization um, in some way, then that would be excluded. But if the, the member is going off-site, you know, babysitting at um, the child's home. Now, if we really don't want the, um, the member and, and the kid to come to the chapter house mm-hmm. and, you know, have 
a play date there, or just hang out there. Hang out for hours. We just don't yeah. want, I think the, the bottom line is that we don't really want children to be on the premises, period. Mm-hmm. So, um, so nannying, you know, would not be specifically excluded. It's kind of separate from the sorority. They're doing their own thing. They have their own job. Um, but don't bring that, that child that you're nannying to the house. Right, because the house isn't just yours, it's everybody's, and there's all sorts of other stuff going on there. There's just a lot of things um, for the child to get injured on, yeah. and, and can, can fall down, and there's just a, it's just not a good idea. So just keep yeah. them away from the chapter house, and go and have your nannying experience, and yeah. make, you know, make some side money, and, and all will be good. Yeah, well, I think that just it surprises a lot of members, I think, who are living in, in a sorority house facility. Um, so that that's the number one we wanted to talk about. Uh, that that's a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people that that would count as babysitting and could be excluded should something happen, would be excluded. So next scenario is, let's say I'm a sorority member and I want to babysit for one of my favorite professors because he or she asked me to. What about this, yay or nay? Um, so it depends. Yeah, <laughs> no, it depends. That's all the yeah. lawyers say, it depends. I'm mm-hmm. not a lawyer though, um, thank goodness. But um, so if, you want to babysit for your professor at his ha- his or her house, that's fine. Again, kind of relating back to the babysitter, um, if you want to um, go to his or her house, and it's, it's, again, not related to your organization, your sorority. It's just kind of a one-off thing that you, you are wanting to do because you like kids and you need to make some extra money. Totally fine. But, and, and again, don't bring, don't bring the child back to the house. Um, don't babysit the professor's kid at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not something we want to do. So, yep. So a okay on your own time, own property, not not the sorority house. Right. So what if because there's a bunch a bunch of professors or a bunch of people on campus um, that the sorority wants to offer babysitting services to? Uh, what if they they offer this as sort of a philanthropy to raise money or a fundraiser? but uh, they did it off-site and it wouldn't be at the house. What about that? But that still count as babysitting. So I, I want to say nay to, <laughs> to doing this mm-hmm. um, because when it comes to babysitting, you have to think about is it at the house, number one, and does it have to do with the organization? Um, so whether the organization is specifically holding a philanthropy, a philanthropy event, sending their members to that, um, it's it's would be considered babysitting and therefore excluded. So um, I would say don't do not do this. Don't do it. Yeah, well, and especially, like we talked about before, you're no longer just an individual doing it. You're a whole group of people clearly doing it on behalf of the sorority. Right, you're raising money, um, and it, it has to do with your organization. It's mm-hmm. not just, like you said, a one-off. For I'm sure. doing it, you know, to make some, some side money for myself. So. For sure. And if anyone has any experience, you know, working with uh, Sunday school kids or any sort of place where you might be watching kids, know that it's not just a casual drop-off process anymore. There's a lot of things, there's background checks, there's all sorts of things that the world wants any volunteers working with kids to go through um, that are much more than than maybe you might anticipate by just wanting to have a casual babysitting event. Right, yeah, if, if kids are involved, we just really want you to take pause and think about, you know, how does this affect my my organization and right and are you really equipped to do it just because you've babysat your whole life one-on-one or for a specific family it's a little different here's another one we got asked about a lot especially heading into the fall trick or treating uh 
kids being dropped off at the facility either to trick-or-treat from sorority room to sorority room or at a sorority dorm even um just this process or concept of trick-or-treating uh, I, I know it can look a little different at every chapter house sometimes it's families come with the kids at the front door and just kind of stop for candy at the front of the sorority house but sometimes it's actually going room to room so can you talk us through some of those scenarios and what is a yay and nay yeah <laughs> um so again take pause because it involves kids, mm-hmm. it involves them at the, the chapter house. So if, you know, trick-or-treating event is not specifically excluded, mm-hmm. um, it's not necessarily babysitting, but again, it involves kids, so let's let's take pause. And what we recommend that if you do want to have a trick-or-treating event, um, have them come to the door and not necessarily into the house, to going room, room to room, um, have the, the parents around, make sure that you know, you're not in charge of these kids running around the house or even running around the lawn. Um, make sure that the parents are around. And then make it so that it's um, a specific time. You know, let's not have a five-hour event with kids running around the lawn um, and definitely not inside the house. Maybe have it, you know, be an hour or two. I know a lot of times, like like you said, professors want to have this, this fun event with, mm-hmm. with professors' kids. So just make sure that the parents are there. Um, let's keep it outside and let's keep it limited to a, a certain time frame. For sure. Cool. So hopefully you're hearing a trend that there is a way to do some of this, but some of it is just a, a big old no. But that's when it just depends on how you set it up. Right. Yeah, babysitting is a, a big no when it has to do with the organization and you know being at the house. Yep. Um, but otherwise, there's a lot of gray area and we can, we can talk through it with you. Okay, two more for you, because this is, this is what happens. We keep getting more and more questions about this topic. So what if I'm an advisor volunteering for my sorority and I want to bring my kid with me to a meeting at the chapter house? What are your thoughts on this? And before I, I let you speak on it, let me just say, too, like I have personal experience. My mom was really involved in her sorority, and so I was there. I was the kid that, you know, while she was in meetings, I was banging on the piano in the other room and being told to stop. <laughs> Um, but that's that's my memories of that. Um, but being kind of kept in a res- kind of specific area of the house while she was in different meetings. What are your thoughts on that? Is that babysitting cool, not cool? Well, it's not babysitting, but again, it involves kids at the mm-hmm. chapter house. So mm-hmm. it's just not the best idea. And if it can be at all avoided and just ni- you know nicely say to an advisor that it's just really not something that we, um, we want to expose your child to. And... Yeah. Um, they could get injured, and if you could find other child care methods, that would be great. Just not yeah. bring your kid to the meeting. Yeah. Now, what if uh, what if an advisor wants her um, child? Maybe, maybe, and I know a lot of advisors are like, "Awesome, I'm an advisor, and I have all these college women that can babysit my kid." So, what if they just want to enter into their own like individual agreement with a sorority member to babysit their kids? They could do that. It would be preferable if it was at the advisor's house. Right. So not again. Mm-hmm. Let's not babysit at the yeah. at the chapter house. Even if it's just for a one or two hour meeting mm-hmm. the, while the advisor is there, it's just yeah. It's just best not to um, have it be considered babysitting mm-hmm. ever. So yeah. just try to avoid it at all costs. For sure. Um, and if there's any questions, you can always give give us a call. Mm-hmm. And and I you know from my own experience, I could have 
beyond hurting myself, I probably could have broken that piano too, which would not have been great. <laughs> My mom would not have wanted to pay for that. It was the early '90s, you know. It was it was a different time, <laughs> different era. Um, last question: uh, What about house directors, kids? We get asked this a lot, um, just on behalf of house moms or house directors uh, that either live uh, on the premises. They often live on the premises. Um, and they want to know, can I either live with a child here, even just a minor that's a little bit below 18, or watch grandkids, have them stay over a weekend? Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Um, so again, kid on at the chapter house, mm-hmm. let's, let's take a minute to think about it. So I know sometimes it's hard to find house directors these days. Um, and and quickly, a house director, in case um, you know some of the audience might not know, mm-hmm. um, they are almost like a, a house manager, a facility manager um, that lives on site and helps um, just with the day-to-day um, flow of, of the house. They take care of you know inventory, um, just the general um, management of of mm-hmm. the house. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's good to have someone there, um, even from a safety standpoint for the members. So, mm-hmm. um, so oftentimes they they will live there um, year round, or maybe just during the school year. And um, a lot of them will have grandchildren. That's mostly the question that I've been asked: is Can I have my grandkids um, come for the weekend? And again, it's it's a gray area. We don't really love having kids at the chapter house. I don't know if you knew that. But um, <laughs> obvious by this talk, but um, but just what we would advise is you know maybe just just think about the ramifications of um, having a child there and, and being exposed to injury, and perhaps if we can have the that child like stay in the house director's quarters in their apartment and not be allowed to roam the chapter house, that would be ideal. Ideally, th- that they just wouldn't have their children with them mm-hmm. or their grandchildren with them. Um, but we understand that sometimes it is difficult to find a house director and, and you want to you know, work with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully, I know maybe we've sounded like a broken record, but hopefully you're getting the bottom line that just the insurance company and we as risk managers and consultants on risk are not huge fans of kids on the property much at all. But if you have to, really the exception has been, you know, the kids need to stay with the parent and the parent with them and they're not roaming around doing their own thing, banging on pianos, <laughs> whatever um, they may be doing running around. So just um, sort of, if, if there's controls in place, like any risk, if you put some controls in place and some correct supervision, it can make a risk a little bit more uh, favorable mm-hmm. from, from our perspective. And we totally understand there are events. We know that there's kids there that are just brought along and, and things are happening. But um, I like that Tiffany said, just if you just pause and think about it from your organization's perspective and not just your own and think about who you're acting on behalf of, um, that can help you make good decisions a lot of times and avoid any issues with any of this. That's right. Right. So, yay. Any other thoughts on that before we move to some some fun stuff? <laughs> well, this wasn't fun? I mean, oh it was a fun. <laughs> it's important. And, and I, hope, I hope listeners hear, too, that, you know, we as an insurance company want to cover a lot. And, and we talk about trying to help you get to a yes, that we don't want every answer to a question of permissibility to be no. Uh, but this we wanted to emphasize is an important topic because it is one of the very few things that's just super specifically excluded right. on the policy. It's very comprehensive. Otherwise, 
Um, but this is one where there isn't, there is some gray area, but there's not a whole lot of room for yay kids on the sorority chapter property. <laughs> so, okay. Well, what we can't stop talking about, Tiffany, what are some things that you enjoy in life outside of the office or even maybe even discussing in the office that you can't stop talking about? So I like Pinterest, and the way Pinterest works now is that if you click on something, then it'll start sending you more and more um, oh, yeah. articles or um, things to, to look at based on whatever you clicked on. So I think I must have clicked on like Princess Diana mm -hmm. at one point, and now my, my yeah. Pinterest feed <laughs> is all royal family. So then I just kept clicking on it, and now I just... Really, I you don't know why. I just yeah. want to click on articles about whether it's um, Princess Kate or Little Prince, you know, George. So it's a problem, and it's I, I like it though. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I think they've captivated a lot of people lately, just with Kate being added to the family, and then Meghan Markle. Not gonna lie, I had like a girl crush on Meghan Markle. First moment I like saw her speak in an interview. She's just incredible. Right. And um, that's a whole interesting drama with oh, yeah. an American being in the royal family. So. so much drama. It's good. So much drama. But And I've heard the tabloids over there are way worse and crazier than they are here mm -hmm. even. And They're much mean. More I, mean, mean. You, you, mm -hmm. I mean, our tabloids are mean, but theirs are just unrelentless when it comes to the royal family especially. So yeah. those are interesting reads too. Yeah. Crazy. Well, and uh, Tiffany bringing up the royal family made me think of um, there was some things in the news this week and maybe old news by the time this comes out about just a American broadcaster on Good Morning America making a comment about was it Prince George or mm -hmm. was it yeah taking ballet classes and um, just sort of snickering about that a little bit and there was huge backlash from the dance community yeah, and especially a lot of male dancers, dancers too, mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. which was fascinating and if you haven't I was telling Tiffany if you haven't watched the apology video from Good Morning America it's really interesting to watch just them both do some damage control but also acknowledge like when you you know don't know a lot about a topic and kind of make fun of it that it, it's neat to see them actually bring in people that can educate on it and, and make it better so I hadn't seen that in a while that was a good kind of feel-good apology kumbaya let's let's all come together moment which was kind of neat so and all because the royal fam and everyone's obsessed with them right not just Tiffany oh, well, that's good. I'm <laughs> well I woke up early for Kate's wedding in college for sure yeah I did too I actually remember being at the sorority house and us all getting up early to watch yeah, and it was fun, fun. Mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun cool all right well that's all we've got for you to, for today uh, if you have any questions about this topic specifically let us know. You can reach out to any of the client executives on our team, Tiffany, myself, or Astacia, who you'll hear in other podcast episodes. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback, comments, or questions, send us an email at realtalk at mjsorority.com. Visit our website, mjsorority.com, to learn more about who we are, what we do, and explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Sorority. Be smart. Be safe. And we'll catch you next time.